Good morning. Uh, yeah, my name is Joe. If you don't know me, it is great to have you with us this morning uh, at Grace Church. Uh, possibly a, a strange question, but have you ever taken the time to stare at a leaf um, and, and just kind of examine uh, the humble leaf? I'm not good at that stuff, not good at kind of stopping and, and just looking and observing. Uh, gen- generally, of course, we just kind of trample over them and walk past them, and that's obviously understandable. We wouldn't get very far in life if we <laughs> stopped and stared at every single leaf. I was just walking this morning, and it is, there are, a, there are a lot of them about. There are a lot of leaves. If you have eyes to see, you look out any window at any point, pretty much. You, there you go, there's loads you can see there. Um, most, not my office window, actually, but most windows, there are leaves. And um, if you stop to look at the intricacy. We actually probably at this time of year, we do it a bit more. They're looking a bit more like this um, or various colors. And uh, this is the time, it's a good time of year to stop and look at the leaves. And, and even just a single leaf, to look at the uh, intricate texture. of, of it. I, I kind of thought about putting a single leaf on it, but, it, but a picture would not do it justice. You've got to look at it. You've got to look at the leaf and the detail in a single leaf. They are beautiful. They are full of beauty. And for a, for a human to create anything like that would take a kind of years of, of training and all the, the right skills, and it would only ever really be kind of, um, it's, it, would, it would fall short to create one. But we see an abundance of them everywhere. The leaf spends no time in front of a mirror, no time or money adorning itself, and yet it is full of beauty. And where does its beauty come from? It is glorious, God-given beauty. It is a glorious thing. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. This morning, we are carrying on our series. I'm talking today about generosity. Uh, and God's generosity. And I want to suggest that the humble yet glorious and beautiful leaf is a magnificent representation of the bountiful generosity of God to humanity. That he would put, that he would put so much care and intricacy and detail into a individual leaf speaks of how above and beyond God is in his generosity to humanity. And Jesus gives a very similar, if not the same, encouragement uh, for us to do that, to look at the leaves and the wildflowers um, in a passage in the Bible in Matthew 6, verses uh, 25 to 34, which we're going to read in a moment. So if you've got a a Bible or a device, feel free to uh, get that out in front of you. Um, I will put it on the screen, but it's always helpful to have that there in front of you. Matthew 6, as we think about God's generosity to humanity and what that means for us. Why, for Grace Church, generosity is one of our core values. We think of God's generosity to us. Um, So uh, if you could click through on to the next bit when it comes up, but I'll read from verse 25 of Matthew 6 right to the end of that chapter. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, 
What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is talking here really about our priorities and uh, what is first in our lives. And it's summarized at the end in verse 33 when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first. That's the first thing you should do and your priority. And all these things will be added to you as well, he says. He is encouraging his followers to get their priorities straight. And he puts it both positively and negatively. So positively, which is how he does it at the end, he's saying, be more concerned, this is what you should do, be more concerned for seeking after the kingdom of God. Do do that. Do strive after that. And he puts it negatively as well, which he does first, do not be concerned about other things that, that other people often get concerned about and worry about. Do not strive over those things like what you'll wear or eat or what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't do that. Do strive after and seek first the kingdom of God. And the way that Jesus makes this point, he illustrates his point, and the thing he does to illustrate it uh, is the thing which will help us to seek his kingdom first and not other stuff, and that is to point to God's generosity in creation. So don't do, don't do that. Seek after God's kingdom. Look at God's generosity in creation. Starts in verse 25. Jesus says, Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then there is a command in verse 26. Often we don't think of it as a command, but that is what it is. Jesus uh, and sometimes it's even translated as consider. Maybe you think about it, and it's not great. It is much more uh, firm than that. And he says, look at the birds of the air. That is a command that Jesus gives to his people. And um, now that said, there's maybe not many in the room right now. Um, so in this instance, it's better to consider and think about um, Although we did once have some swallows, I think, or whatever, some little birds nesting up there at some point. Um, and, but yes, right now, consider the birds of the air. Look at them. Are they worried? Are they stressing about things? They might store up for the winter, but not for three decades or whatever. They're not worried. Look at them. Watch Planet Earth 3 or whatever and, 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 and look at the birds. Consider them. 
Consider them now in your mind. Are they worried or are they free? God has provided for the birds. There is enough for them. Think about that. And, and also know this, and this is a lot of, kind of Jesus assumes, but it is important for us to know, it's easy for us to forget. God says that you are so much more valuable than the birds. You are so valuable to God. Did you know that? God says you are of great worth. You are deeply valuable. He's not saying just sit back, forget about it, just sit back and it'll all fall into your lap. The birds, they, they work, right? They, they get their food, they work hard for it, but they're not worried about it. They're, they're, they're proactive, but they are trusting. And Jesus is saying, you're so much more valuable. If God's providing for them, how much more for you? And it's the same for flowers and even the leaf. In verse 28, there's another command. See how the flowers of the fields grow. Look at them. Look at the leaves. You can spend your life's savings. You could work from very early in the morning to try and make yourself look as great as you think and as beautiful as as the current fashion says you need to be or look. But try as you might, even Solomon in all his riches and wealth could not make himself as full of splendor as a wildflower is. You will not achieve it. If God does that for the grass, though, how much more will he do it for you? You are of much more value. If God is that generous in creation, that abundant in his gift of the world, what does that mean for you and I? What does it mean for us? And here's the lie that I think underlines so much of what I'm talking about that we can so easily believe, um, and it, which, which makes God's generosity hard to see and hard to uh, comprehend and believe in. The lie that we often believe is that there is just not enough to go around. We, we think there's just not enough. Everything is limited and we, we need to scrimp and save wherever we can or there will not be enough. There is not enough to go around. And we, we believe this lie despite the abundance there is in God's creation, despite the, the abundance of leaves and the beauty in every individual one. A helpful way to think of it, of God's generosity, is, is like a host at a great party. Um, and I don't know what qualifies as a great party in your minds, if it's kind of the decorations and the lighting or the music or the atmosphere. For me, it is definitely one thing which I've not listed. What, what do you reckon the most important thing for a good party is? Food, for sure. It is food. That is the, the maker or breaker of a good party. Um, and also when it comes, I, I'm talking both quality and quantity. Both are important when it comes to food at a party. So actually, it can be basic, like you know, sausage rolls and Pringles, um, they're, they're fine. If there's, if there's a lot of it, then I'm all right with that. And that can be the, the only redeeming factor of having to go to a kid's party, is if, if there's a good amount of sausage rolls, then we can get through it, and it'll be all right. Um, 
But that said, I, I also can enjoy like the snobby food as well. I, I like the olives and uh, the good, nice cheese and maybe the wine um, and uh, some nice meats, some canapes, some salmon and mini Yorkshire puddings. Have you had those? Do you know what I mean? With, like, with a little bit of horseradish and beef steak like those. Oh, they're good ones. Often, often I'm getting carried away, I know, but um, you... Like, how was a wedding? That's the thing. And often the first thing people will answer is they'll tell you how good the food was, which, because it's the defining part of how, the defining factor in a great party. Um, but, but even if that, like, if you, it can be really nice little Yorkshire puddings, but it's got to be enough, because that's the worst when there's not enough to go around you. They're really nice, but I got like one, and I'm still starving. Um, went to, we went to a conference last year, and the food for it was provided. We went to a restaurant and they were going to provide it. And it was that. It was exactly that. Nice stuff, but it was just nowhere near enough. And um, it was kind of a Christian leaders conference. So it was quite interesting <laughs> watching everyone like thinking th- they want to be good and like, yeah, you go, but then also really wanting to eat themselves. Um, anyway, but it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. It was a bad party. Anyway, back, back to it. A good host wants their guests to be able to just enjoy themselves and not worry that there's not enough to go around. That's where I'm going. And uh, God is like a host at a great party. That, that's like, it's like the world we live in. He has provided unexplainable levels of both beauty in, in the quality of the things that we see and abundance, the quantity that there is. There is plenty to go around. The uh, Bible scholar Tim Mackey says this is the picture of, and he's talking about God as a host of a party, this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He is the host, and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. That is that's the picture that we see of the Bible, of, of the world in the Bible. Go for a walk today or this week. Do it. Go for a walk and be a guest in God's world, his world, and look at his generosity in all that he has made. Now, the problem is, and you may already be there in your mind, that it often does not seem that way. And often it is not that way, that there is not an abundance. People are not enjoying an abundance in creation, but, but they are knowing scarcity and struggle. You, you may have kind of even be offended by some of the things I'm saying. I say there's plenty to go around. And you think, well, that's totally not my experience. One of the crazy things is that the guy who was saying these things about God's generosity, his generosity in creation, the one who's telling us to look at the birds and the flowers and the grass, he grew up in a world of scarcity. Jesus knew real poverty. He lived under military occupation. People all around him were losing all of the assets that they had. And he is telling people to look at birds and grass and trust that there is enough to go around. Because he knew that despite what we see around us, the problem is not that there is not enough. The problem is is the mindset that humans can, can often have. We struggle to trust God. We think there is not enough. And then we, we feel the need to take things into our own hands. We have a mindset of 
scarcity, which leads us to justify the impulse within us to take care of me, of number one, before and even at the cost of others. Because we're believing the lie that there's not enough. And a world of people doing that quickly leads to envy. I want what they have and anger. I'm angry that they have that and I don't. And vindictiveness, I will do what is necessary to get that thing. And cheating and violence and all of that feeds the lie that this is a world of scarcity where there is not enough to go around. In short, God's party has gone horribly wrong with anger and envy and selfishness everywhere. Even if we do see God's generosity in creation, and we do, we do also see that. We see that everywhere. But God doesn't and hasn't given up on the party Instead, he gives another gift. Beyond the abundance of creation, he goes again, and the gift that he gives is himself. And God's generosity reaches even dizzier and harder to comprehend heights in the gospel. The host enters the party in the gospel. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace, that word also just gift, translated, for you know the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It is the epitome and the ultimate act of generosity was Jesus coming to sort out the mess that we had made, giving himself. Though he was rich, for your sake, even though we were the ones who messed it up, for our sake he became poor, so that we might become rich. He lived a life and died a death of brutal and sacrificial generosity for his enemies, of all people. Humanity, that is us. We actually reached a point where we couldn't just kind of turn it around. Well, let's save the party. We'll just sort it out. It was beyond that point. And, and sin, which really possibly can be best described as rejection of God, rebellion against God and all that he offers. Sin had entered. And uh, as humanity, which includes us, rejected God's abundance and, and in doing so rejected God himself, we tried to take things to our own hands and we passed this point of no return. And so it was only... It was the only way, was in and through the gift of Jesus that we might come out of a very real moral and spiritual poverty and become rich. It's only because of what he did. Only because we know the the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ that we have been singing about and praising him for already. And if God clothes the the flowers and feeds the birds... Will he not much more give us what we need? In light of creation and and certainly in light of the gospel. How much more? How much more? That's a great phrase. The Bible loves it. Loves to make that point in the New Testament. His abundant generosity in creation. He's done this. How much more is he going to do this? I want to pick up on that phrase. Actually, here's just 
a few uh, examples. There are, there are, but you, you kind of search it uh, at home. You search that phrase, Google it, and you'll see how in, in the Bible how many there are. Um, the Bible loves to underline God's generosity. If he's done this, how much more will he do that? If he's done X, how much more Y? Here's three, right, from one chapter in Romans 5. Uh, it says, For if while we were God's enemies, and we were, rejected him, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Five verses later, Romans 5.15. But the gift, that is Jesus, is not like the trespass, sin, for if the many, all of us, died by the trespass, trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? How much more? Romans 5.17, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, it's talking about Adam and our sin, and he represents humanity and our rejection of God, how much more Will those who receive, listen to this, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? How much more? Let me read that again. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, and that was the situation, but if that was the case, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? God's generosity in the gospel. And that is, all of those how much more are really all about perspective, right? Which is what God's been speaking to us already about this morning, through the words that are coming. It's all about, well, if, if this, then check this out. Get some perspective on this. If that's the case, then get some perspective over here. How much more can we trust him in everything else? Generosity is an important value for us as a church, and, and we want to be individuals who are generous, not to tick a box, but because of God's abundant generosity to us. First in, the, in creation, and then in the gospel, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in countless other ways, by the way, which I won't go into, not least the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, God giving himself. We've been filled with the Spirit this morning, a, a, a picture of God's abundant generosity, not to just leave us to it, but to give us the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Generosity is one of those things, so in, in kind of, what do we do with this for ourselves? It, generosity is something I don't think you can fake that easily. Um, you maybe can to others. Maybe you kind of give the impression that you're generous, but you cannot to yourself, uh, and certainly not to God. It's got to flow, really, from a heart of generosity. We've got to have a heart of generosity. I'll get kind of a bit more practical in a moment, but firstly, it's got to come from the heart. And whilst Jesus lived in poverty, I'm not sure my clickers stopped working, so there you go, thank you. Whilst Jesus lived in poverty, he did also live with this confidence that there was enough to go around. He lived in poverty, and yet he's saying other people, don't worry about it. Look at what God does. He lived not with a mindset of scarcity, but of abundance. And that's what led him to live sacrificially and generously to everyone, even to his enemies, those who had rejected him. 
And Jesus calls his followers to live like him, not to have a mindset of scarcity, but to remember the truth that the host can be trusted and there is enough, which is, again, demonstrated in the creation and in what Jesus did. And having a heart of generosity, it starts with, firstly, accepting God's generosity. Even before we trust in his abundance, we, we need to first accept and uh, allow his generosity to us, which is not always easy. Let me tell you briefly about uh, a guy called Naaman in the Bible. Um, not a great guy, um, one of the baddies, if you're going to label them as that. Uh, a commander in the army, the Bible describes him as a valiant soldier, but, but not the army of God's people, uh, an enemy of God's people. He uh, stole an Israelite girl as his slave, was, was that way, uh, but a valiant soldier and a strong commander. Then he got leprosy, not good news in those days. He's, uh, that will be a killer for him. And it is his gracious, kind servant girl who says to him, I know a man of God who, who may be able to do something to help you. If you go to him, he'll be able to help you. Uh, and so Naaman does, and he, he goes to seek uh, Elisha and ask for help. Um, and Elisha says, yeah, do this thing, and he's like, no, I want to do it my way, and then some back and forth eventually kind of does what Elisha says, and is miraculously healed um, by obeying the word of God. And then, this where I'm going with it, he then is desperate to give a gift back. Let me give you, have all of this stuff, let me give you all this stuff for all that you've done. Elisha says, no way, no, no, that's not how it works. It's generosity, it's grace. You don't deserve it, it's a gift to you. But then Elisha's naughty servant says, oh, I'll have it, and he takes it. Um, what, what I'm getting at is we can all be a bit like Naaman, where we struggle to even accept the generosity. We, we want to kind of pay it back. It's, it's first in accepting the gospel that we need to do. And, and we don't just do that once, we need to do that regularly. That we need that help. We don't deserve healing we, we cannot heal ourselves. God has done it for us out of his generosity. And uh, it's also not just about accepting God's generosity. We also need to be a people who can accept generosity from others and, and from one another. I know a lot of people who struggle to do that. Even just generous encouragements can struggle to accept those things. We have got to allow others to be generous to us. And, and, and stop ourselves when we want, when we want to pay them back. Well, let me, let me do this. So if someone invites you around and hosts you well, it's not, they're not looking to, to be invited back so you can pay them back. And you may have been on either side of that, where you've been invited around and treated well, you want to pay back, or you've had someone around and treat them well, and then they want to have you around. Like, oh, you can, but I don't feel any compulsion to do that. We've got to be able to accept generosity if we're going to have hearts of generosity. It's hard to have a heart of generosity if we can't accept it from God or others. And then also we need to trust in God's generosity. Stop believing the lie that there is not enough to go around and live like Jesus, trusting in God's abundance, his generosity. Jesus is saying we should trust instead of worrying. Don't worry, trust God. Don't 
Don't fret over it. He rightly says, worrying never adds anything to your life except maybe a few ulcers in your mouth. It will add nothing to your life. And actually, we now know pretty clearly from the, the research, it will almost certainly take years off your life um, if, if we are worrying. When we believe that there is enough, when we trust in God's generosity, and this is, you may have seen this in your own life, at that point, we, we start to see opportunities for generosity everywhere. When we start to not believe the lie that there's not enough and believe and trust in God's generosity and have a heart of generosity, we'll see opportunities for it all over the place. Acts 20 verse 35 says this really crazy but true thing. It is better to give than to receive. That's true. And it's crazy. And it's true. As we trust in God's generosity, it's better to give. Largely because giving is a de- demonstration of trust in God's abundant generosity. And we should also seek first God's kingdom. Don't seek food, <laughs> despite what I've, you know, the a lot of time I gave to talking about it. Don't seek food, don't seek drink or money or clothes or beauty or fame or whatever it is. Seek God and his party and his generosity. None of it, by the way, none of this is to say it is easy or that it will be easy. Jesus isn't saying that. I'm not saying that. Jesus knew hardship, like real hardship, significant struggle, even as he knew and trusted in God's generosity, even in those moments. And in order to have a heart of generosity, we do need to get our priorities right. We need to be going for God and his kingdom first in, in recognition of all that he's done for us. And as we get them right, our priorities, we can, we can then trust God to take care of the rest. If we live generous lives and trust in God's generosity, we can trust him to provide all that we need. I'm not saying, you know, if you give a little and the universe will give back to you, because the universe is the creation as much as anything else other than the creator. But I'm saying if you seek first his kingdom, this is the promise of the Bible, then he will take care of you. You can trust in him. If you trust in his, God, in, in his generosity, he will add all the rest to you. Seek first his kingdom. And all the, the other things will be added. Here are some ways then as it plays itself out. Firstly, uh, as a church and then individually, kind of talk about what is this? Okay, we're talking about generosity being a core value for Grace Church. What does that mean for us corporately and individually? Valuing generosity is in pretty much every area, but not, not quite, but in pretty much every area, largely about money. It, it ultimately often comes down to that, but, but not totally exclusively. So one way we want to demonstrate generosity, this is just kind of uh, a practical way as a church, is, and I'm back, back to the same topic again, I realize, is having decent quality biscuits on a Sunday. Um, that is important. That is one way we want to make sure that we are being generous uh, in, in what we're doing. We don't count how many, well, I, I don't know, maybe one or two people do, but uh, that's not the mindset. We don't count how many biscuits are taken. We replace them as they go. We want people to feel hosted and welcomed and believe that, that there is enough 
and, and also decent ones, right? Fox's Crunch Creams and not just Tesco value stuff, right? Good, good quality, good quantity. Um, it's just one way. I know it's got a little bit silly, but it is one way. We want to express generosity. And generally at any Grace Church event, we want there to be, well, let's show generous hearts to people in how we host and do that as much as possible. We also commit to give away 10% of all the money that comes in to Grace Church. Uh, that is a commitment we make. Some of it to um, kind of international or national charities, some to local charities, some to individuals or families who we know are struggling, um, a part of us. Um, we are one of the things which we probably don't talk enough about. We're really privileged to uh, fund a child survival unit. And we've got a, an image um, in the Philippines called Lambs of God Child Survival Intervention. This is in conjunction with the local church. They help young mothers and their babies and fathers as well adapt to life where there's no kind of free healthcare and things. And uh, as a church, we we fund this exclusively. They are they run because of what we give to them. Around eight thousand pounds a year uh, that we give. There, that picture. They're getting some nutrition training. I think uh, on on as they. Uh, raise their, their babies and are cared for in that way. And that's a real privilege to be able to do that. Around, over the years, we've kind of been working with Compassion for a number of years, there's around 200 children who have been and are sponsored um, in and through Grace Church. Um, loads in the Philippines and, and a number in other nations as well. That's some ways that as a church, uh, things that we do. And the main way that we are generous as a church is through having people who are living generous lives, really. Uh, you can probably take the, just skip on to the next one, thank you. Again, it is more than, than just money. We want to share our time, our entire lives, as, as people with one another and, and with others as well. I love uh, a verse in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, um, and it says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It's great. That's generous hearts, generous lives. We, because we loved you, we're delighted to share with you the gospel for sure, and also our entire lives. We want to share and live our lives together. It's not about minimizing cost to ourselves, whilst also maximizing benefit to others. It is self-sacrificially thinking not very much of ourselves and only really how we want to maximize the benefit to others. Um, I might have said before, I once thought, I'll get Liz some chocolates, I know that'll encourage her. What I did was looked at the kind of grams to pound ratio, found the cheapest, I got a multi-pack of 12 or something, saying this is the most amount of chocolate for the money, so I thought I'd get that for you. And it just didn't really bless her, to be honest, because I was just thinking, how can, that's not really generosity, is it? I'm thinking, how can I minimize the cost to me whilst also trying to encourage someone? This is the point, right? Talking about hearts of generosity. It's not all about money, but the reality is that the clearest way that we demonstrate a heart of generosity is in how we give our money and how we spend our money. As those who know of God's generosity and abundance, that is, as Christians, we want to respond to that by being generous with the finances that he has given us. 
It is all a gift, as, as Ashley read earlier. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we are a church of generous individuals. That is true. And we want to continue to be and, and to look to always be growing in this. I'm not saying that about me. I'm just saying you, you are a people who are generous. And uh, that is a wonderful thing. And we want it to stay the case. Some of this giving is spontaneous. Um, people, again, who are looking for an opportunity to spontaneously bless your friends, uh, you, you'll find opportunities everywhere. Uh, uh, and a generous heart leads us there. Although even that may require some planning. You kind of want you to budget to have some money to be able to give to others. Um, and as Ashley has said, talking spontaneously, next week and the following week, we're going to have a gift day. Uh, and it's a chance to give over and above our regular giving. Um, need around £96,000 to continue doing all that we have planned to do. I'm not going to say loads now. As Ashley said, there's other places I've done that. But it is an opportunity. I'd encourage you to seek God for how you can demonstrate generosity in, in response to his abundant generosity to you. Because in, in giving to our local church, we are giving to the local mission, but also we are giving back to God what he has given to us. We, we can't pay him back, right? It's not about that, trying to be like Naaman and, and pay back. It's not like for like, but we can express gratitude and, and generosity. Um, so it's like you might not, again, it's not about paying someone back when they have you around, but hey, take some nice flowers, you know, be, be generous just as an expression of gratitude and generosity. That's what we're talking about in our giving to God. You don't need to, um, and it won't even out the debt at all, but it shows gratitude. And uh, I don't know what God will do in these gift days, and, and, but, but trusting in him, that's what we're doing. We're going to be praying and fasting and seeking him um, and trusting him to, to meet our needs and trust in his abundant generosity that has got us this far and we are confident will take us all the way home ultimately. But when it comes to generosity and giving, it is mostly not spontaneous but regular and planned. It won't be easy and it will make you feel a bit nauseous uh, often because we are worry machines, right? But, but, but that is not to say that we're doing that, that it's not generous or authentic. It's an act of worship and an act of intentionally seeking first the kingdom of God in, in our giving. The Bible has a lot to say on this. I won't go on for ages um, when it comes to Christians and giving. But I, I, I believe it should be for a Christian, the, the, ultimately the first item on our budget sheet because we seek first his kingdom because it is number one for us. And also because if it's the last item and it comes down to whatever's left, there ain't going to be anything left uh, because that's how we work. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, show it in the Bible. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So it should also be proportionate to our income. But in light of the gospel, it's kind of hard to talk about percentages because, because we are living in light of uh, the gospel. It's not about striving after ticking a box so we can say, yes, I have given or, or attaining the, the status of generosity, as if that would be a thing. Um, it, it is just about radical, kind of radically and permanently and probably uncomfortably 
being generous. And uh, the Macedonians are our, as kind of the model of giving in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2 and 3. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and, as able and even beyond their ability. That's the model to go for. Uh, in the midst of severe trial, saying, still trusting in God's abundant generosity to us. We long to be a generous people. Generosity is a core value for us at Grace Church because of the God we worship. I hope you are hearing that in my heart. It's because of who God is and what he has done that it would be totally inappropriate for us to not strive after being a people of generosity. And uh, we are going to keep pressing on in that way because of his abundant generosity to us in more ways than we can and will comprehend we want to be a generous people maybe the band who come up that we're going to worship him in response right it's not we're not going to kind of do um, an offering now the response is worship because in talking about cash I don't want us kind of as I've kind of come to there at the end I don't want us to lose the bigger picture of what I'm saying in God's grace and generosity. Because the answer is, like, don't now go home and try harder to be generous. That's not the answer. The answer is to go and look at the birds. Go and look at the grass. Look at a leaf. Look at the cross. Go and think on the gospel. Do that this week. Look at the birds. Look at how he feeds them. And think, will he not much more feed you? Look at the grass of the fields and how he clothes them and think, will he not much more clothe you? Does not the leaf tell you of his abundant provision? Let's stand. I'm going to pray and then uh, Simone is going to lead us. We're going to sing and worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we pray to you as our Heavenly Father. And as Jesus, you said... If, if God knows, if your heavenly Father knows, if your heavenly Father knows and, and will clothe the, the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you of little, you of little faith? <laughs> heavenly Father, you're our Father. We come to you as those who have been adopted by you, of those who know something of your abundant generosity. I pray, Father, my, my prayer is that we would know more of your generosity, that we would understand your generosity more, that we would know more gratitude in our hearts. How great you are, oh God. We thank you for your abundant generosity and the creation is, a, is it's just such a good picture. Look at the seas, look at the ocean, look at the stars, look at the birds, look at the grass, look at the trees, look at the mountains, look at the rivers. What an abundant God you are. Abundant generosity. I pray as we look at that, Lord, we also see and understand the gospel, that you haven't just given us that, but you have given us yourself, and the host has entered the messed up party and saved it. We are so grateful, Father God. Thank you for all that you have done for us, how great you are. Amen. Amen. Let's sing and praise him.